Hello. I would like to say hello to the listeners of the Wheel of Randy podcast. Hello, listeners. Wheel of Randy is the number one Randy Newman podcast in all of Oklahoma. I mean, sure, uh, in uh, Utah, there's a couple of uh, podcasts that are bigger. I mean, it was weak. <laughs> members of the Randy Newman fandom discussing one of his songs at random followed by another that's a cover it's Wheel of Randy Jump on our boards cause the boards are hot Hey, welcome back to Wheel of Randy your favorite Randy Newman podcast we are part of the Good Trash Media Network, and let's start the show! It's Wheel of Randy! Folks, we got Mary Jones here today. Good afternoon, Mary. Hi! I <laughs> feel like I've known Mary for a long time, although this is the first time I've seen her voice. She is a friend of Tom, like many of our guests have been, uh, so I've heard her call in to... Uh, the best show with Tom Sharpling for, I don't know, how long have you been calling it? Oh, I mean, late 2016. Okay. So, I mean, I, I, I was listening back in the FMU days, um, but I, that's when I started calling. So. Okay. So we, we match right up there. I, my first episode ever was his last one at FMU. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> I. <laughs> Because Patton Oswalt had tweeted, oh, no, Tom's going away. I was like, oh, I should probably find out who this guy is. So, <laughs> um. I think I think what got me listening to the show was the first Four Loco Christmas. So if I don't know if you've gone back and listened to I the have photo. listened yeah. to that. That was, yeah. that was pretty <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, that, that that's the wonderful thing about, you know, the WFMU shows there all completely archived even the music that that he played is archived so yeah um, it's it, it it's been really great for my musical education and uh, you know as much as i drive with my job that that archive is is absolutely my best friend oh oh no doubt no doubt you know i have i have a job where i i can listen to podcasts most of the day and um thankfully yeah that it, it it's been a lot of obviously other things too but yeah best show has gotten me through a lot of very long hours of overtime and, and all that so uh one of these days i'll sh- share this with, with with tom although i don't call in much anymore I, I i like to let my 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 favorite callers take take the stage so <laughs> uh, I, I don't like to clog up the airwaves but he he has a show back in the archives where he got so frustrated with this caller that he said, "All right, I'm I'm leaving tonight." And then he played Paul Lynn's version of Kids <laughs> four times in a row. <laughs> you know what? I don't think I've heard that one. I have to go back and, and find that. That's fantastic. <laughs> it was one of those things. I was sitting there going, "He's going to just keep playing this." <laughs> You say you don't you want to let other people call in, but man, you know, most people don't feel that way. You should just go for it. You know, well, he keeps making fun of my voice. He 
I, I don't yeah. think I have a southern accent, but when I talk to Tom, then then my my hayseed roots really come out. I would say you have a a southwestern, you know, cutoff point of you know Texarkana type sort of. Yeah. I, I think he called me Matthew McConaughey Jr. once, and that was enough <laughs> oh. to, to make me stop. First of all, you drop that. That's right. I heard your voice. Oh, suddenly, what am I talking about? Matthew McConaughey Jr. all of a sudden? It's my Alabama accent it's getting me through. But, you know, I'm not I'm not there to, to call in. I, I want to hear my favorite callers. I want to hear more Mary. And, you know, it, it's just, it's so weird how there's this, this connection mm-hmm. that I can have, you know, with callers. Um, you know, uh, you know, one of the, one of the frequent callers, a cat from Raleigh recently passed oh. away. Yeah. And it was so wild that I had such a connection to this person's death, even though, the yeah. only thing I knew about her was uh, the name of her cat and <laughs> that she called into this this quirky little show. But there was such a connection there. Uh, exactly. it, it's really hard to explain. Well, yeah. And um, if I remember correctly, on a recent episode, you played uh, Avalanche Bob. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Avalanche Bob is, is now our, our regular background music. Right. Yeah. Because, okay. Uh, so it is, it is regular then. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I've been talking with, with uh, his uh, producer, I guess, the, the guitarist yeah. on that, and he's been such a cool guy. And he's said, yeah, absolutely, play as much Bob as you want. That's so. wonderful. Yeah, it was so sad finding out that she had died. I mean, I knew I knew she had battled cancer. I, I, oh, my God. I, I'm, <laughs> I apologize. Their, their pronoun was they, and I want to get that right. And so yeah. I didn't realize that at first. So I apologize. Um, uh, and and so yeah I, but I, I do want to say that was not malice that was just accidental so I, I have a lot of friends who you know are like non-binary and trans and stuff and the last thing I want to do is is get that wrong you know because people are who they are yep. so yeah um but no cat dying was was uh you know quite a surprise and that that is that is a real shame and it is interesting as you say you you do build up a relationship with people just hearing them on the radio and it's you know, again, when, when Avalanche Bob died, I mean, uh, when he was calling in, a lot of people would get annoyed, but man, I liked having unusual people calling the show. That was like what the show originally was just like, you know, oddballs and, you know, um, more of that, Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, you know, the, the, the wild thing about Bob, Bob died like three days after my dad. Oh no! And my dad, you know, had a, a big rockabilly background himself. I, I I never really got him to listen to Bob. But, oh my gosh! But, but I, as I'm processing, you know, my grief, you know, this this vague connection passes away as well. I was like, okay, this is the dumb thing that allows me to openly <laughs> grieve now. Yes. This 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 yodeler in New Jersey has died. <laughs> It's funny how that works too. Like you find like this way to kind of process your own grief through sometimes something outside of yourself and it's oddly helpful, you know, but yeah, yeah. Um, No, I, I honestly, you know, when I do hear his music, I honestly think it's really neat. You know, I I think it's cool. You know, it's, it's, it's wild. It's um, I I like things that have kind of like a crazy primitive bent. So, you know, know, there, there've been a couple of, 
you know, creative projects that, that I, I did a few years ago and I was on the verge of quitting. I was like, no, Bob put out a record. I can keep going and do this. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Yeah. <laughs> I like the best show, but, but uh, next level is what we have in common is, is John Solomon. Uh, yes. And especially John's Christmas program. I, I just, yeah, I, I have, have that starting about October, I'm just listening to recordings of his 24-hour <laughs> Christmas show. And you've gotten to be a regular contributor to that show now for a few years. Yeah, uh, I'm in a band that never leaves the basement with my husband, Dennis. And uh, we call ourselves Death Elf. And <laughs> and yeah, and, and it's just one of those things, you know, Dennis was in bands for years, you know, um, just on it, like, just stuff around Philadelphia. And I, uh, I've always just, I mean, I've been playing guitar since I was like 13 and, you know, just always playing around with music. And so jumping back, um, yeah, uh, I've been hearing John Solomon on the radio since I was, well, a teenager. And um, I ended up meeting him at a, a, a super chunk show then that, and was, extremely surprised to find out that he's not that much older than me <laughs> he started really really young yeah that yeah. blew my mind you yeah. know like i mean i i went on and like was like reading articles and stuff i was like oh my god he, you know like i'm I, I tend to like not put you know two and two together very quickly unfortunately so you know it was, it was one of those things where it's just like yeah he's way younger than i thought he'd be you know <laughs> um but yeah no uh he, so yeah john it's been doing that show for what 30 something years now yeah it's yeah and um something just clicked with my husband dennis he's just like okay we have to contribute i'm like yeah okay <laughs> sure why not and i we had gotten a, a drum kit i'd always wanted to play the drums and uh something just you know clicked in me and i said yeah i'm going i just went on to like facebook marketplace and i was just like looking for drum kits because if, there, if there's one thing people always want to get rid of it's instruments yep. and it oh in fact i just got a piano like last week so <laughs> uh because somebody was getting like just put it out on the street like a block away from me so um, oh, oh uh, trust me i've been on the other end of that i i inherited <laughs> uh my childhood piano and so i had this you know, a thousand dollar Baldwin that was like, what am I going to do with this? And nobody would take it. That blows my mind, you know, that nobody like wants it. I mean, granted, you have to have a house usually. I mean, yeah. that's, that's number one. Um, I, I think, you know, the keyboards have gotten so good and so mm -hmm. lightweight that, you know, especially if you're beginning, you don't need that yeah. level of investment, but you know, you know, my mother-in-law has a piano. It's not the greatest instrument, but her mom picked cotton to buy it. Yeah. So she's not going to give that away. Yeah. So someday it's... it'll probably come to me. <laughs> well, you know, it, it means something there, you know. Yeah. But, you know, there, there was all that investment put into just being able to get the, the instrument. Um, but, yeah, so somebody was throwing out a – not throwing out. They were, like, selling a drum kit. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I've always wanted to play drums. And my mother was obviously not going to let me do that when I was a teenager. <laughs> um, in part because, like, it would have been expensive. She wasn't going to buy me drums. But, uh, you know, 
she so anyway we bought the drum kit and so i've been playing around with that for you know like a year at least and it just clicked with dennis like you know oh john wants contributions to this thing we, we have to do this and i'm like yeah all right sure you want to write christmas music i'm all about that that's fine <laughs> and and the thing is he my, my husband's really like he when he sets up to do a task he just goes all in and he uh Anyway, long story short, I'm really proud of what he's what he's written. It's there to me. They're very fun. They're really fun songs. I really like them. You know, right. he he has one called Elf Strike, where the elves go on strike. And uh, <laughs> let's see, uh, last year we had Christmas on Venus, which we tried to do, which sounded like a uh, we wanted it to sound like you know the the Ronettes or the Crystals or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. You know, we'll recruit our friends to come in on it, and um, but yeah, so. Uh, John's Christmas show is like the highlight of like my Christmas. And I hope my mother never hears that. (laughs) (laughs) If I recall, you got a prime slot last year that he played you in between Snail Dartha and Lindstrom. And that is peak (laughs) viewership. That was ridiculous. I don't, I, I, and he says, no, no, no. I was just trying to fill a slot. And you know, I mean, John, John, no. John, John is not a duplicitous guy, so but uh, yeah, no, that that really blew my mind. I think you know what I think it was um, why he did that. I mean, maybe why he did that. Uh, my basement had flooded that night, the night before. Oh, no. oh yeah, so we had horrible rains come through on Christmas Eve, and so I live um, north northwest of Philadelphia, and um, Trenton, New Jersey, Princeton, that's like maybe 45 minutes from me. So like, you know, we're not that far from each other. Um, anyway, I was up all night because the basement flooded. The sump pump died. And <laughs> well, it didn't die, but it wasn't kicking on like it was supposed to. And so uh-huh. the torrential rains come through. And so basically I was up until like four in the morning and I was just kind of like texting texting him as he was playing the show. And just like talking about, yeah, no, I, I should be in bed right now. But, you know, thank you. I'm so glad you're doing, you know, I mean, I listen every year, but I'm usually asleep during like that stretch of time. Uh-huh. And and I was just telling him what was going on. And uh, I don't know. I think that was his, like a little Christmas present to me and Dennis is getting like, really, as you say, the prime spot, which blew my mind. Yeah. I remember sitting there eating breakfast the next morning and, you know, I'm, I'm digging into, into my eggs and I'm just like, what the, <laughs> you know, just. Uh, in in shock in shock yeah so yeah john's john's an awesome dude he is i've uh, really enjoyed his company and i like his i like his regular show on on wednesday nights he's uh he, uh he he's really expanded my music appreciation quite a bit uh oh absolutely especially like yeah. the the uh plays a lot of saharan african music and uh really digging some of the stuff that he's doing with that yeah you know it's 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 funny you say that because uh dennis was just dennis is my husband he was making a joke about something about like uh oh now i'm gonna screw it up but he basically he made the joke that like oh i need to tell him about this epo ethics uh cd i picked up the joke being that there's no way dennis discovered that without having heard it on john's show first (laughs) so So yeah, no, I I love just the the sheer diversity of what he puts on his show, and I mean he really does exemplify what WPRB is about. Yeah. And um, yeah, I I I've I, I tune in, I try to tune in every week if I can, and I always hear something where I have to scribble down what it was because I need to find that track. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you've gotten in the podcast business yourself, Mary versus the movies. Tell yeah. everybody about that because that is that has been a lot of fun. Have you heard it? Oh yeah. Oh my goodness, that's awesome. Oh yeah. Oh and and uh, again, this actually <laughs> this actually does go back to John Solomon um and the best show because so yeah, I I have a podcast with my husband Mary versus the movies. Uh, I so I was born in 1979, and there are a lot of movies from the 80s that like I've just never I've never ever seen. And uh, one night on uh, the best show, there was this uh, Colin topic of Colin and tries to describe a movie that you've never um, seen. What you think that movie is about? And I called in, and I think I I talked about Highlander and something else and now i can't remember what the other movie was but i do have it written down somewhere and then i went onto twitter and i just described like here's a bunch of other movies that i've just never ever seen and it was like predator and um oh gosh i'm trying to think of like what they all were because now i have a list of almost 200 movies and people are suggesting new ones for me to watch and it really is all over the place i mean we've covered uh, the thing i hadn't seen the thing i've seen other john carpenter but i'd never seen the thing uh, my neighbor uh, Totoro, the uh, Miyazaki classic, and it was great, and I cried. And uh, let's see, we just released yesterday Xanadu. Oh, and... okay, that'll be good. <laughs> oh my god, it, I, that might be our best episode so far. Um, I absolutely, it's that's one of those movies where it's not a good film. The acting is not great, and uh, you know, but it is. It is a fun movie, <laughs> and I I genuinely enjoyed the music, but it's like it, it's it's like in the category of good bad movies, you know, like like a Roadhouse or, yeah. you know, uh, so yeah, Xanadu was I genuinely enjoyed that, and I would do, I would definitely watch it again if I caught it on television because it's it is just pure dopey fun, um, but yeah, so we've been doing that, you know, it's one of those things you're, you know with quarantine, what do you do with yourself? Because I can't go to shows. <laughs> Welcome to Wheel of Randy. <laughs> right, right. And it just took me a while to to get into it because so I went onto Twitter and I was describing here's all these other movies I've never seen. And John uh, responded, you know, make this into a podcast and I'll listen to it. And I'm just like, well, I've got nothing else to do. Why not? <laughs> and we have all this recording equipment from doing like music. So we're just like, yeah, all right. So, um, you know, this this is our home office where we've been working through the pandemic and we just like, you know, we, we have a TV tray table set up and we put like our little recording studio on there and uh, we just, you know, we watch the movie and we record afterwards, you know, my response to it. And uh, it's, it's a lot of fun and it's, you know, it's interesting because I love film, right? I, I love film. I, I, my, when I was growing up, we didn't have a lot of uh, books in the house and we didn't have a lot of records in the house, although I listened to the radio all the time. Mm-hmm. What we had a lot of were videotapes. Oh, and yeah. I lived, yeah, and I lived kind of like catty corner to a little mom and pop uh, video rental place. So, and this was in Philadelphia. And so I, my mom was just constantly renting videotapes and we were always watching films. And that's something my mom still just is always watching movies. And so- I grew up watching a lot of films, but there's just a lot of gaps in what I've seen. Um, but I read books on film and I, I, I 
I wasn't a film major. I, I just like to like ingest them <laughs> yeah. and think about them. But I, I was I never felt like I was somebody who could make film. So I'm I come at it more from just uh, you know, thinking about movies and and uh studying them and, and things like that. Um I what I find really interesting in watching films from the eighties is uh they feel very different from films in like the seventies. And, you know, each, each, there are definite eras of film and it's, it's, to me, that's really, it's interesting just going back and it, we only picked the eighties just as sort of like a lark. I was like, yeah, well, here's a bunch of movies. I just never saw that everybody I know has seen mm-hmm. because they caught it on cable or they went and saw it in the theater. If like, they're a little older than me and it's just a lot of stuff I haven't, I haven't seen, but what's interesting to me is like finding there's kind of like a through line in films in the eighties that I wasn't expecting that has really jumped out to me because like then when I'm not watching that, I'll go back and I'll watch, you know, uh, stuff on like criterion or, uh, HBO max, or whatever. And I've, you know, I'm, I really like the whole new Hollywood, uh, stuff, you know, not just, you know, obviously you've got like your Coppola and Scorsese and Scorsese is probably my favorite filmmaker. Um, but I, I'm really getting more into like Robert Altman and you watch something like, I just watched California split and, Almond style is so different from what you see in the 80s, where the 80s are almost kind of like throwing back in the way that they make film, as opposed to uh, like in the 70s, it was it was all very more experimental and naturalistic. And there was a lot of a, a different way of making it in that the 80s, a lot of films are going back to trying to be more formalistic. And there's a lot of people who are making films that are definitely trying to reach back to like the 30s and 40s in their style which I just find really interesting. Um, and it's everything from like, you know, what is it? John Landis doing uh, Trading Places and um, Coming to America, both of which kind of are rooted in um, like Screwball and, uh, uh, you know, kind of, um, oh my gosh, what's his name? Ah, Made the Lady Eve. And, uh, oh shoot. Like the Coen brothers are all about him. Ah, that's going to kill me. Anyway, my point being, like, there's there's a lot. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, that's, that's, that's where my head is these days. I've been watching a lot of movies. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I'm rambling a lot. Oh, I, no, that is wonderful. Uh, I, I've, I've got to say, when I first started listening, I was, was picking and choosing my episodes, uh, mm-hmm. movies that I had seen. Um, in, in, in particular, you kind of blew my mind when you made the connection between uh, the women in 9 to 5 and the Powerpuff Girls. <laughs> I, I just I, I i had to to share that with 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 my wife and with my daughter i was like oh my goodness it was it was right oh, in front awesome. of me all along <laughs> uh, but but then i started listening uh and i've enjoyed the ones that are, are movies that i hadn't seen um what's what's that stephen king directoral uh disaster uh that you oh, all did Mac- maximum overdrive yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Man, I've never that. seen it, but just, <laughs> just, <laughs> I, I feel like I've seen enough now. Just oh yeah, description. yeah. That's one where you, you you don't need to. You really don't need to go and watch it. I mean, <laughs> yeah, Maximum Overdrive is a trip. I mean, it's oh, that's a rough one. Um, boy, you know, there are some people who are perfectly fine directing their own work, especially if they started out as directors, you know, Wes Anderson, I love his stuff. And, you know, if, you know, you can write your own material. That's Stephen King's not a director, (laughs) not even a little bit. Um, 
Yeah, that was, we, Dennis and I were thinking about trying to rank the movies we've seen, and that's definitely def, down, down at the bottom right now. <laughs> with love, absolutely with love, oh, you yeah, know. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I can feel the love there. <laughs> so it's, I, I keep saying it wrong, Mary versus the movies. Mm-hmm. Wait, what were you saying? I think I think I said Marriott the movies, which eh. yeah, that doesn't sound nearly as exciting. <laughs> Versus gives it a little edge. That's yeah, you know it's it's funny the neighborhood I grew up in in Philadelphia. My had a saying it was Fairmount against the world or Fairmount versus the world, and I think I kind of um, inculcated that as a kid. <laughs> so yeah, it's a very Philadelphia sort of attitude too. <laughs> So, yeah, it is It is very much – I think it's good to have a slight adversarial bent to everything that you like because you don't want to um, be unable to see the flaws. But at the same time, I think you should totally embrace what you love. It's just, you know, it, it's it's basically like being a little self-aware, you know? Yeah. And, and that way, when somebody points out, hey, this thing has a flaw, you can kind of go, yeah, it does. Now, here, I still like it. But, yeah, th- those flaws exist and that's okay what well, was I, I think robert frost that said uh, intelligence is hearing another opinion without losing your temper or changing your mind that's you know what that's that's good i like that <laughs> that, that one stuck with me for some reason that's a good one yeah <laughs> okay I'm, I'm gonna do my best producer brett imitation now well speaking uh, of 1979 <laughs> What song have you brought for us today? Well, Brett, uh, if I remember correctly, I said um, this is from Newman's 1979 album Born Again, and it's called I Only Love Money. Right? Do I have the right title? It's Money That I Love. It's Money That I Love. Oh, my God. I can't believe I got that wrong. Yeah. Yeah, I can. I can totally believe I got that wrong. I get lots of things wrong. Um, yeah. Yes, it's it's Money That I Love. And, uh, yeah, so... I got excited when I, when, you know, when I was asked to be on the show and I thought, you know, they've, he, they've gone through like most of Sail Away and good old boys by now, uh, which understandably, cause they're amazing. And so I was like looking around like, okay, so what do I, what do I want to talk about? Cause like, yes, I, I've, I've definitely seen a toy story and I've seen all like the Pixar movies he's, he's scored and things like that. And I actually recently saw Ragtime. Uh, that he does the score for and I almost suggested that but then I, I was poking around like okay let's look at the later 70s albums what should I bring up and I, I saw the cover to this one and I went oh oh okay that's interesting <laughs> it is it's a, a great 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 cover uh, yes fr- friend of the show Jamie and I have been been kicking around the idea of of uh, me recreating all of the Randy covers um, oh I love that idea and the born again one would be the the most involved one for me to do. Uh, But yeah, this is track one off of born again. So give that a listen and we will be right back. I want money from you, Dan. So maybe, maybe pay me on this uh, under the table. Let me say under the table a couple of times in a tax environment. Okay. So before we talk about this song, I want to talk about, uh, the the album title "Born Again," um, yeah, because you know, that was a new term I, in 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 the late seventies. I mean, it had been the church forever, but that it mm-hmm. really had sunk into the popular culture around seventy six. 
Okay, that's interesting. I didn't realize that. And you know, I I I, I don't know your background. I although although the the church I was raised in is not evangelical. Um, mm-hmm. I grew up in a very evangelical culture in Alabama. So, you know, born okay. again was just such a common, you know, word to be, be thrown around. But uh, in the 70s, it was was kind of a new thing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Chuck Colson popularized the term and then Jimmy Carter identified as born again. Uh, and then, you know, everyone hopped on the train then after, after that. Um, right. But Randy was 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 talking about how he was he found it so interesting that that there was this this evangelical movement that at the same time was uh rooted in in self-absorption uh, that and, makes a lot of sense <laughs> and so that's why he 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 uh, you know went after you know the excesses that he does in, in born again it's such a bitter record <laughs> It, it is. It really is. I listened to it a couple of times, you know, in, in prep, preparation for this. And um, yeah, I know that it's not a well-liked record, Oh, but no, I think it's, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like it a lot, but the public did not go for it at all. I, I think it's brilliant, but you know, I'm coming at it 40 years later, you know? Yeah. Uh, no, I think it's, I think it's fascinating. And it's also fascinating to me that it came out in 79 and you can feel the eighties, like approaching um you know as you said there there is this uh i didn't realize that the evangelical um connotations of born again had kind of started getting into the wider american culture in the late 70s because you know i came along later um but that's that's interesting that and and this ties back to the movies that i've been watching you can feel the change in american culture in like that very end of the 70s into the 80s and that when I when I look at this record and when I listen to it, it's like, oh, you you know that Reagan's going to win that election, because what he's singing about is uh, that sort of uh, self-absorbed excess. You know, all of that peace and love stuff has gone out the window, and what I want is money, and what I want is success, and it's 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 a, a culture that's does not care anymore. And he talks about that in the song, you know which I find really interesting in, in the lyrics, you know, he talks about, you know, it's money that I love. You know, I used to worry about starving kids in India. I don't worry about that anymore. Yeah. You know, I, I used to worry about the black man. I don't worry about that anymore. And and think about, you know, just where the country went in, you know, two years later, Reagan may as well have been, you know, giving that as his inaugural address, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, and yeah, it's, he's obviously like feeling where the country's going, you know? Yeah. And and that's why I think I'm not surprised that people didn't really want to hear his take on that at the time. But you look back at him like, no, 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 this is prophetic. This is him like feeling what's coming. You know, I think it's brilliant. It really I, it really is. Um, I've got to say, this is one of those songs that uh, my first exposure to it was on uh, the songbooks album where okay. it was just him on piano. Uh, and so when I finally went back and heard the studio record you know a couple of years ago when i started diving into it i was really surprised that the girl was 16 because in yeah. the songbook it's a 19 year old girl so it's yeah. it's one of many instances in the songbook where he's toned the lyrics down a little bit but but he's <laughs> with a 16 year old girl and what half a pound of cocaine 
again <laughs> yeah that is that is very much yeah he is definitely capturing my impression of that time period you know um yeah 16 man it's it's interesting how like a couple years later it's just like yeah no you really can't you really can't sing that anymore and yeah. and you shouldn't have at the time but that's where the culture really was you know well i'm curious it's, is he taking a shot at polanski here is Oh, not just Polanski. I mean, if you read into like just um, the club scene in general in the 70s, I mean, uh, betting a 14 year old was not unheard of at the time. I mean, yeah. Oh, no, it's you you look at, you know, you want to get into like, you know, the history of like the New York Dolls or even look, David Bowie is one of my favorite artists ever. But, you know, there's sketchy stuff in the 70s there. And, you know, what Newman is referencing is just something that was not uncommon at the time, unfortunately. I mean, again, if you if you get into film, um, oh, gosh, what is the song, uh, the film Pretty Baby starring Brooke Shields? That's a rough one. And that, and it takes the right track. She basically plays the daughter uh, growing up in a, um, uh, a brothel in New Orleans around 1900. So is but this she's before? 11. OK, so before Blue this is around the same time. It's okay. around the same time. I guess it's maybe before. This is probably what broke Brooke Shields into pop culture okay. in that sense. And uh, now the film is set, not saying this is fine, but uh, it got greenlit in a way that I don't think you'd get it greenlit now because that's where, unfortunately, the culture was really weird in the 70s. And I don't think we realize how weird it was when it comes to exploiting teenagers. Hmm. Um, so when Newman sang that, and I heard that in my first response was Ugh. my second response was oh 70s yeah <laughs> why not both <laughs> yeah Ugh, i mean yeah it, it really is yeah uh, it really is both yeah <laughs> i i kind of went down a rabbit hole today uh, uh reading about the history of cocaine and mm. how in the late 70s uh it was you know, about four times more expensive than it is now Oh, wow. <laughs> Adjust, adjusted for inflation. Just that it was uh, that this guy, you know, he, it's not like he needs a lot of stimulant. He's just bragging about expensive stuff. Oh, that's interesting. Now, that's not something I realized was like, I mean, have, having never actually bought any myself, <laughs> I have no idea what the going rate is. Nope. Um, that's really interesting that it's it's also just kind of a bragging. I'm I'm rich. I can afford that much yeah oh yeah that makes sense <laughs> and i i was curious about this character yeah i i get the feeling this is inherited wealth he starts off by saying he doesn't really have any talent uh, he's not pretty oh. or smart or good but he's got money let me let me ask this question <laughs> how how political can i get on here please do yeah uh i mean if you're listening to this song and you're not picturing the 45th president of the United States, I don't know what you're doing. I mean, just look at the just looking at the album cover. Like my first thought was, oh, oh, that's that's Trump and Kiss makeup. I mean, it's not. It's it's Randy Newman, but you know, it's and but no. I mean, uh, if you're not picturing, you know, Donald Trump, you know, weaseling his way through Studio 54 in that in that album uh, in that song. Yeah. I mean, I don't. You know, yes, absolutely. He did not earn a cent of that and uh the the guy in the song and uh it's yeah it's the most sort of disgusting like uh <laughs> he's a really disgusting character isn't he really really I mean, is one of his worst <laughs> i and mean and, and, something. It, 
It is. I mean, we're talking about the guy who, well, we wrote the song that you don't talk about. Dan doesn't talk about rednecks. <laughs> With Actually, good I, it, it's a growing list of Randy songs I'm not talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Half a man off of this album. I just, ugh, yeah. I can't do it, yeah. man. I just can't do it. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> I, I love this thought of this this being kind of this prelude to the '80s that we have this uh, mm-hmm. that he he, see, he had an idealistic time and he, he yeah. kind of sees that as kind of childish that he used to worry about the poor. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's very much what, is it you know one of the the yippies who would you know I'm protesting uh, it in Chicago and now I'm putting on a suit you know. Yeah. It's uh that it's was it Tom Hayden I guess it is I'm thinking of um it's it's people who you know they've traded in their ideals for a uh, uh, Mercedes you know it's he he's definitely nailing uh that change in the boomer uh, culture and uh, it's it's vicious but it's it's correct it's exactly what happened you know yeah you know, I I was born in seventy three. Um, okay. So when, when the 80s hit, I, I remember Reagan getting elected. I didn't process that much other than my mom being upset. Uh, but <laughs> um, but uh, 1980 was s- such a huge transition for me because we moved across the country in 1980. And so the 70s are <laughs> one thing and yeah. the 80s are just worlds apart. Um, so I'm, I'm curious... Uh, what that? How much of, of of my view of how the seventies were different from eighties is, is is skewed by that uh, by that experience? But I I do know you know that move was was so drastic. Uh, you know, and, and you know, my father was was, was a decent man, uh, but the company you know shipped him all the way from Seattle to Alabama. And Whoa. and the money was really really good. Uh, mm-hmm. He and he was getting space shuttle money, is what that was all about. And so you know he worked in a place that we didn't enjoy living, you know, for nine or ten years, but the money was really good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's like, mm-hmm. is he doing this balancing act uh, in a, a, a much smaller way that that that, that our character here has? Uh, you know, at at what point? At what point do we sell out? Um, so yeah, you you ask. You know, you bring up an interesting question. Where um, where do you have to kind of put your ideals down in order to build a better life for yourself? And I think that question comes down to how much. Yeah, boy, that's a that's interesting. You bring that up because I'm just remembering. My I, I had a sort of similar thing when I was about ten years old. My mom got a new job and we had to move out of Philadelphia to what was essentially PA Dutch country. Okay. Not as drastic a move, but I was not happy there at all. (laughs) And so I I kind of understand a little bit what you mean. Like she could have like not taken the job and kept working, you know, in the city, but uh, it was definitely a smarter career move to do what she did. And it's it's a really hard thing because we can't we can't do life perfectly and there are times where you 
make sacrifices and you don't know how much you're sacrificing at the time. And it, you know, intentions aren't everything at all because, you know, people can have what they think are good intentions and they're actually terrible intentions. Don't realize it. But um, you, you just do the best that you can in the moment. And even then, you know, you realize that you might get this wrong. And if you might get this wrong, leave yourself open to the possibility that what you're doing might not get the result you want. And once you're there, try to fix that, I guess. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it's it's the constant struggle that it is that people go through. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I think about you know my wife who, uh, in, instead of going to law school, went into to nonprofits, and you know, twenty five years later, she's like, "Well, I've been underpaid for the past twenty five <laughs> years, and yeah, maybe yeah. I did some good. I don't know, but I, I I think I think the kids look up to her, and in the end, that's that's probably more important than what she would have made there. I, I think you're right. You know, I think, I think that's something you just got to kind of remind yourself, like, yeah, I, I, maybe, maybe I'm not as successful by some standards as I could have been, but you know, have I made people's lives around me better? That's kind of the only metric you have to what an actual good life is, is, you know, are the people I know happy and am I happy knowing that they're happy? You know, it can't just be total self-sacrifice, but if you can see where they're happy and you're happy and you're happy that they're happy, God, this sounds really silly. I don't know. This isn't no, going anywhere. <laughs> no. I, and I think I, I think I can speak for you there that, that maybe it's just the personality, but we're happier when we're creating something. Yes. Whether yeah. it, it, it's it's making music or, or, or putting a podcast or whatever projects you've got going on. You know, and that that's that's not something you can buy yeah exactly no i I, that's i i think i am happiest when i'm making a thing and you know even if i push myself to like yeah i'm not getting any sleep tonight when that when that when that project is done and you can see it and then you see how maybe at least one person responds to it and they they like it um that that makes it worth it because some people can create only for themselves and i think those people are very lucky i create i do want people to see what i've made i do want to share it and i don't expect everybody to like what i make and that's that is fine but if i can get one person to smile or or just say hey man that was pretty cool i that that's that makes my week yeah absolutely i i've just got a couple things i want to touch on 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 this song and feel free to to add other observations you've got you talked about the song being prophetic one of the things that's really prophetic on here is he goes one two it's money that i love one i kissed you and i keep thinking of joe namath (laughs) what does it mean to you now when the team is struggling i want to kiss you i couldn't care less about the team struggling Twenty years after this song came out, so uh, whether that's prophetic or not, I <laughs> who knows? Maybe Joe Namath is like a secret Randy Newman fan. Oh well, <laughs> that is a thought I mean... exercise that'll keep. <laughs> I'm talking a real deep underground, you know, very quiet, extremely quiet, extremely unexpected. <laughs> I, I get the feeling that Joe Namath might be one of those people that that listens to Randy Newman, but misses all the irony. <laughs> yeah, I think you might be right there. 
It's it's a bit like I remember um, when somebody asked Trump what his favorite film was. He said Citizen Kane, and they said really, and he said those women just kept he, they did a, they did him wrong, and I'm like that what? was not the point of the film. <laughs> that was the opposite point of the film. But all right, <laughs> so yeah, that's that's how I pictured John Hammond encountering Randy Newman. The other thing I want to talk about is off the same album, we see the, the other side of this coin. We have the obnoxious guy on the other side of this with Mr. <laughs> Sheep, who just oh. makes fun of people because they have a job. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I feel while he's not as horrific a person is the character and it's money that i love i i do like how he's poking fun of both sides of this oh it, and and deservedly you know yeah. i mean it's just like why don't why are you being such a, a a jerk you don't you don't need to be this god you know uh no that's that is that is good the one song on this album that baffles me is pants oh my goodness <laughs> Were you going to bring that one up? No, I mean, I, I, I'll talk about Pants all day. Uh, pa- Please pa- do. Uh, pants is, and folks listen to Pants because it's. Yeah. It, you wouldn't believe it if we described it to you. <laughs> uh, but it's where the, the cover to this album came from. He, he was going after Kiss because mm-hmm. he went to uh, some arena show uh, and whether it was Kiss or, or, or another band of that size. And he, he said, it's so weird how this is so sexual and yet so impersonal. <laughs> and so he decided to write a, a sexual song with no emotional connection <laughs> at all. And so that's, yeah. that's Pants. That, it... it... Knowing that story now, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that's a very correct take on Kiss, you know? Yeah. Um, a band that tries so hard to be lascivious, and, and yet, uh, you know, it's it's like watching a bunch of mannequins, you know, running around trying to gyrate. I don't know, it's... Uh, yeah. They're, there's, Kiss, is, Kiss is a weird product. And yeah. they're, they're a product, they're not a band. And, you know, uh, <laughs> and also, I say that even as somebody who has enjoyed a couple of Kiss songs, but, um, you know, they're, they're a very strange product. Um, did you ever watch the, the, the Paul Lind Halloween special that they're on? Uh, is that where Paul Lind is the vampire? Oh, I don't no, remember that, him being a... Oh, he's a vampire on the Universal Studios ride. Uh, oh wow! I didn't know that. that. That's a whole story. <laughs> so no, I I I, I, I yeah, don't know what you're talking about there. If if you want to say like a perfect kind of union of what I you know the '70s pop culture is, in my impression, there's a Paul Lind Halloween special where the musical guest is Kiss, and the guest star I guess is like a Pinky Tuscadero. Nice. Yeah, it's. I won't say it's good, <laughs> but I've watched it several times. <laughs> Yeah, have you watched Kiss Meets Phantom of the Park? No, that's on. That's something I, I have yet to track down. Yeah, I really do I, want to watch that. I do too. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I like trash. I, I, I enjoy things that are, are terrible and, um, you know, a waste of time. And yeah, it has its place. It does. It's, uh, you know, I like candy. 
you know, yeah. and that's, you know, that's just a, a, a chocolate bar melting in the sun. I'll take it. <laughs> I'm going to try another transition. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of pants, <laughs> you will All notice right. on the wheel mm-hmm. that. Ah, there we go. Okay. Can you see the green wheel spinning there? Yes. All right. You'll notice that pants is larger and in red because that's that, that that's the $5,000 square. One of these oh days, God. someone's going to land on pants. Yes. So whenever <laughs> you're ready, spin the wheel and y'all stop and tell us what you landed on. Spin the wheel, spin the wheel, spin the wheel of Randy. Stop. The world isn't fair. All right. Do you know this one? This is off Offhand, of, I... this, this is his Karl Marx song. Oh, wait, I have heard this. Yes. I, yeah. So, folks, this is off of Bad Love. So take a minute to listen to this. And, and Mary and I will listen to this together. And we will be right back. I once again just want to say, and hi, Andy. Would you say hello to the listeners of the Wheel of Randy podcast? Hello, listeners of the Wheel of Randy podcast. I'm going to do this podcast. How, how does it work? You, 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 you turn the wheel and you pick a song and you talk about it. I have to do the show. Can you tell I have a tremendous amount of guilt about this? Wow. Uh, you know, you want to hear what's funny? I think the first time I heard that song, and I listened to it for several years, um, just because, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. The first time I heard that song, oddly enough, I think was on... A Prairie Home Companion, of all things. I was driving around running some sort of errands that I had on NPR, and I swear to God he was playing that. And I remember I can, just thinking... I can see it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I find it just funny, A, just um, because it's a Prairie Home Companion, and, you know, here here's all these like Midwesterners there to listen to, uh, you know, uh, Garrison Keillor and... And, and, and so they're treated to something that essentially, uh, uh, how do I put, um, reinforces their own feelings in its, in, in, their, in its own way. Uh, and I, I don't know that that's really his idea. <laughs> but also just that it's a Prairie Home Companion and given the best show's long running uh, <laughs> take on that show, uh, to admit that I was what, listening to that at all. Uh, <laughs> but no, um, boy, that's, he's not wrong. He is, he, he is not wrong. Um, and that is frustrating. <laughs> I think you could say that about a lot of Randy Newman songs. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, co- I come at politics from more of an anarchist bent. And so I don't want any tankies to get mad at me, though. I doubt they're listening. But he's right. I mean, you know, uh, you, you can't look at um, the history of how communism has been practiced in most places and be like, yeah, this worked great. Uh with the exception, I, no, I can't even say with the exception. I mean, you know, I don't know enough about Cuba, but uh, and, and how that's worked out. But I mean, you can't really look at China and what's going on with the Uyghurs, or uh, you know, just just the history of state repression in the, the old Soviet Union. But having said all that, that's not the point of his song, <laughs> uh, of course. The world yeah. isn't fair, and yeah. and uh, it never will be. And you know, my fear is that he's right. <laughs> you know, I'm curious about this. I, he's described himself as a communist a few times, and I can never tell if mm-hmm. it's tongue in cheek or not. 
especially you know with all of his you know inherited wealth and and, yeah. and earned wealth as well you know he, he's you know like you said he's on this mansion on the hill here uh, but like when he was writing three amigos <laughs> uh, are you writing a movie? Yeah. Writing a movie, not Sp- scoring. Script, yeah. And, and some songs, too. Yeah. I what, think what is the film? It's called Three Amigos with Steve Martin and Chevy Chase and Martin Short. Pretty good cast. Yeah, they I... play uh, Marxist revolutionaries who try and uh, start communism in uh, Mexico, and Mexico falls to communism, and then Central America and South America, and the sequel will be when they try it in the United States. Oh, good. We'll look for that. Uh... What the studio kind of whitewashed that part a little bit, but... but... Um, Unsurprising. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I, I, I'm curious how he really feels. I think my impression has always been that he, I mean, he's obviously a very self-aware guy, and he, I mean, uh, obviously he's a self. I mean, look at look, look who we're talking about. But to the point where, if he says he's a communist, it is it's tongue in cheek, but it's kidding on the square. He yeah. knows that the way he he knows that on the one hand he he's obviously one of the most talented american songwriters of you know he he fits squarely in the traditions of cole porter and you know mose allison and things like that um he's he's also as you said i mean you know he comes from hollywood music royalty you know he he got where he is half through sheer talent he has the obvious talent but also because he had the connections to to become you know a songwriter when he was you know uh, a teenager and get his stuff out there to other people and then get you know noticed how many people don't get noticed because they don't have the connections and it's even worse now nowadays yeah i think he knows he knows that his situation isn't fair that doesn't mean he didn't get to stay where he is because he's got the talent you know it's it, it, it's as i said he's kidding on the square i i love how the character uh overlooks uh all of uh, all of his privilege and focuses on the the one thing that's not going for him <laughs> uh yeah that is brilliant you know just describing all the men as frog-like and you know it, he it, as he said he, he's not even focusing on the fact that you know what his actual status is just like and i'm not even handsome you know yeah (laughs) it's brilliant i mean that's that's one of the things that kind of just makes his songwriting wonderful is the twist that he takes on that you know it's not fair not because i have all this incredible wealth and other people don't what's not fair is that i am not gorgeous yeah (laughs) i i think this this really ties in nicely with your song we're we're seeing uh Mm -hmm. You know, twenty years later, uh, his comments on on excess and justice and yeah. uh, were—he's still not worried about the poor. Twenty <laughs> years later, well, see, that's what's interesting. I think his his characters are never or or don't let themselves be worried. But you know, I always get the feeling Newman himself—he knows exactly what he's saying. And whether or not people kind of understand it, that's that's kind of their problem. But yeah. he knows he knows what he's saying. Yeah. I, I, he, he said, uh, you know, "Even my fans don't understand me." <laughs> I've, See, I've, had, I've had a lot of people quote that to me in this show, <laughs> but clearly, I have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> this, I tell you. Yeah, we were chatting beforehand. You were a little nervous about coming on because you were a casual fan. And I said, no, casual fans are the only ones I'll talk to anymore. The super (laughs) fans are just, I'm done. (laughs) 
I, but, I don't uh, blame you. Well, I, I I think the wheel gave you a good one there. Mary, yeah, can you stick no, around? I, I think so, a, too. Can you stick around just a couple extra minutes? Because I'd, like oh, I'd like to do this week's cover. This week's cover. And yep. I would like your perspective on that because I found one cover of It's Me That I Love. I almost said It's Money That Matters, which is almost <laughs> the exact same song just three years later. I found a guy singing it in Italian. Yeah, it, it's not so hot. But I was wondering if you and I could kind of scroll through the covers list and yeah, see yeah. if we can find a cover together. Um, Absolutely. Oh, wow, Louisiana 1927. You've already done that as a cover, though. Uh, well, there are plenty of covers out there. Let's see what we got. That's I, true. We did the Neville cover. Right. But, oh, wow, Asleep at the Wheel did it. Wow. Um, Willie Nelson? Really? Oh, that all, could... all, right, all right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see what we yeah, got yeah. here. And it's an exciting show. And I love Randy Newman, and I love Dan Wade. And you know what I love about Dan Wade? His enthusiasm. You're a sis. 2008, so after Katrina. Okay. Thoughts? You know, it's... My first thought was, oh, I like using the accordion at the beginning because it's got that like little flair of Zydeco, which mm-hmm. is very New Orleans and uh, Louisiana. Um, so that was in 2008, and it's interesting to listen to and remember a few years earlier, Katrina. And, you know, it's it's... Uh, it's not hard to imagine that, you know, in picking that song, aside from the fact that it's just a wonderful song and um, it's hard not to feel there's a resonance there in um, him picking that song to cover in, you know, this is the end of the George Bush era and Katrina had happened a few years earlier, but like, you know, we've just had so many ecological disasters in the meantime and including hitting texas uh i mean houston was what two three years ago um it's god it's still a relevant song it's you know that's a beautiful cover version um you know willie nelson's one of those guys who um yeah that that's a very heavily produced sound that i don't normally like seek out but his voice is so wonderful i and i just i love the way he sings that uh i don't know it works for me i noticed he made a couple changes to the lyrics uh first oh, of all you know he, he said farmer instead of cracker which about yeah. half the people do you know let's yeah. not get distracted with with, with cracker uh, but instead of president coolidge coming down on the train it's an unnamed president coming down on a plane. Yes. <laughs> hmm. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's 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 a very good edit, shall we say. Yeah. yeah. A very relevant one. Yeah. So No, that, it's uh he, he he made he made it relevant and he made it his own and I really I really like that. Yeah. yeah. I'm not crazy about him saying wash. Yeah. <laughs> When I, I mentioned we moved from Seattle to, to Alabama, and everyone said, oh, you're from Washington. It's like, what's that? <laughs> so I'm still, a little, I'm still a little sensitive about saying Warsh instead of Wash. It's kind of like when, when Tom bristles at, at, at people saying toining and boining. <laughs> well, you know, I'm from, I'm from Philadelphia, so I often he- slip into water. Instead of water or yep. however you're supposed to say it. I, it still sounds unnatural in my mouth to try to say it correctly. 
but so, it, yeah. it's Willie Nelson, so I'll give him a pass. On that. <laughs> Thank you nervous. so much for doing this, Mary. How can people get hold of you? Well, uh, you can seek out my podcast, uh, Mary versus the Movies. We're on all major platforms, I think. Um, I don't know if we're on Stitcher, but we are on Spotify and a- Apple and, you know, all the rest of it. Uh, I'm on Twitter. The podcast is Mary vs. Movies. Um, my band is called Death Elf, D-E-T-H-E-L-F. We are on Bandcamp. And, you know, we've got about five tracks up on there. And uh, You have a Gritty song, right? We do have a song about Gritty, Silent Night, Gritty Night. Nice. Uh, that we actually recorded at a, at a Christmas party at a, uh, that we were throwing. And we just got everybody around and said, okay, we're going to hit record. And that's, that's you, you basically hear all of our friends singing to that. And, ah, um, the, the, the old Ellen Sherman technique. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, finally, yeah, I'm on Twitter um, where, you know, uh, it's, T-L-A, oh God, you know, I bought, I got this, I got this Twitter handle, I've been using this as my nom do internet since like the year 2000 or so, unfortunately it's Irish, and so like trying to explain, it's pronounced Tautya, but it's spelled, hold on a second, and I'll tell you in a second, because like, uh, yeah, I hate to do this, all right, so, uh, I was, yeah, I was trying to, <laughs> sorry, go ahead. No, I, I, I was, I, I was looking at it going, yeah. Is it Choctaw? So to, <laughs> to, to, hear, to hear that it, it's Irish. Okay, okay. I can oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Tlatya. It's T-L-A-C-H-T-G-A. Yikes, right? So Mary uh, versus Movies. Everybody. Mary versus Movies, you know, on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, oh, and I have, a, I have a website where, like, my whole other hobby that uh, I, I have this whole other life uh, where my thing is medieval literature, especially medieval Celtic literature. Nice. So I have a website is maryjones.us. So you can check that out too. Awesome. So yeah, I'm just another grumpy internet personality. <laughs> well, you have been a delight today. Thank you so much for, for coming on, Mary. Uh, thank you so much for having me on, Dan. This was awesome. <laughs> Well, thanks for listening to another episode of Wheel of Randy. We are part of the Good Trash Media Network. Thank you to our guests today, and thank you to all my listeners. It means the world to me that you guys spend some time listening to us do this. Our artwork was created by Brian Mays. You can check him out on Facebook at Brian Mays Art. Thanks to Matt Farley at Moturn Media for most of our bumper music. You can reach him at Moturn Media. That's M-O-T-E-R-N Media. And chances are he's got a song about anything you can imagine. So check him out. Good stuff. Thank you to Alex Sanchez for our Pod of Second Chances theme. Thank you to Good Trash Media for continuing to host us and continuing to promote us and retweet us. Our opening and closing background music is the one and only Bob Cribby, Avalanche Bob himself. You can check his music out at avalanchebob.bandcamp.com. Thank you very much to his producer, Sam Kogon, for being so cool about letting us use Bob's music. We miss you, Bob. High power, snow power, to the stars, protect the earth. 
You'll notice we no longer have a sponsor. That's both for legal reasons and because our previous sponsor has gotten so much work, presumably from this show, that he doesn't need to advertise. All right, we'll see you next time. Bye. It's Wheel of Randy.